0: Hello and welcome back to Full Time Football. Cheers for tuning in tonight. Me, Conor McCann, is joined by Torres. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm and, not bad. And Alistair Madden. How are you doing, Alec?
1: I'm good, McCann. Good to have you on the call again and hosting for the first time in a while. i looking forward to tonight. I know
0: it's, it's not a gig I enjoy, but in Toff's absence, I thought I'll step up. Yeah. So anyway, that- boys. We're just going to get straight into the weekend's action because I feel as if me and Torres in particular might have quite a bit to get off our chest. It is half six on Monday night and Neil Wenning is still the Celtic manager. Torres, I'll give the floor to you. Do you see anybody back for Lennon or do you think his time's up?
2: I think the clock's ticking on him to be honest. It just looks like the players have chucked it on them and I've been saying that for the last couple of weeks but. That's another occasion this weekend where it's taken us to go a goal, maybe two down before the players have pulled their fingers at their arses and actually started to actually play some football. It's just, it's
0: mistake after mistake and it's just infuriating, to be honest. Well, well to be honest, I can, I can put like I, I would have pulled the pug straight after the Sparta prague game at home, at. I don't know if we've actually had a recording since then I, I don't think we have I I wasn't on it anyway but that that night I think that, that's when it should have been right cheers for all your hard work Neil but it's time to move on uh, the weekend more of what it's been recently for me st- started the game no, no too badly kinda had the better of the first half without really creating it and, and then a moment, a, a total heat loss for the captain for a 35-year-old 30, Scott Brown it's a kind of mistake that if Jeremy Frimpong makes it you're, you're still absolutely scratching your head but you can slightly excuse it for his inexperience but this is Scott Brown who's been around the block and back again several times making a farcical decision like that and, and inside the penalty box and then don't even get me started in the penalty itself. Scott Bain makes a brilliant save and not one of his teammates are backing him up. All right, Beaton and Fringpong are standing on well, the, the edge of the box. Perhaps a bit harsh and i I followed it in, but there's three of them there and Jamie Murphy's the quickest to react. I'll good enough.
1: See, as an outsider, sorry just to butt in there, McCann, but see, as an outsider, looking at the performance and you could say, oh, well, you come back from 2-0 down, and you get a point. But even that, I, th- I think you would be stretching it a bit. Th- that moment, when or the footage rather, of Fringpong and Beatum standing almost with their hands on their hips was quite revealing, I-, I think, as to where these players are at and where that dressing room is at. And I don't want to sound like Chris Boyd that time when he'd um, supposedly MO in the changing room. I'm not trying to sound like that at all, but it doesn't take an inside source. To tell you that there is an issue in terms of togetherness with that Celtic team. They were standing almost with their hands on their hips, and I think that was quite emblematic of the performances from Celtic as a whole in recent weeks. I think I'm not saying that Lennon's less, less, I'm not saying that Lennon has lost the dressing room because I don't know if he has or he has not. But if I'm seeing two players who. Are standing on on the backs of their feet and they're not following that chance in. Um, I'm thinking, how motivated are they? How determined are they? And you can look as well at the second goal, Fringpong and Christie. And I know Christie's not a defensive player, but they both stand off. It's an easy header down, and there's just a lack of determination there. There's a lack of players playing for the shirt, and you know Celtic have quality, but. Any team, no matter how good their quality is, they need a wee bit of fight and a wee bit of desire. You can look at the teams across Europe, like Barcelona, plenty of quality there, but they're arguably not playing for the shirt. And it's the same at Celtic. I don't get the impression that the players are playing for the shirt. It was all plain sailing almost for quite a few seasons there. And now that the going's getting tough, a lot of players are being exposed actually I think and, and, and I'm not, I'm not well, as a criticism I think it's difficult for Lennon now to galvanise those players because they've had it almost so relatively easy over the last few years that now that Rangers have actually um, got their act fully together and are now mounting a serious title push it's almost as if those years of a lack of any real meaningful challenge has now come back to bite Celtic in the
0: arse uh, I completely agree with what you're saying In terms of playing for the shirt Actually it was a point I was going to bring up Because See for me in terms of Personnel at the club uh, Or playing personnel at the club I think it's as good as we've had it for Possibly since the Invincible season I think the recruitment On paper was excellent in the summer Alright you can say bathcast Hasn't started great Duffy's been a complete disaster But at the end of the day we signed The Greek number one goalie we signed a captain of Ireland. We signed a Uruguayan left-back who was in the team of the tournament at the World Cup a couple of years ago, who as a side note has actually been excellent, but you must be wondering that he joined at the minute, to be quite honest with you. Uh, a Yeti, Swiss international. So, the outlays we had in the summer, like, the manager was well-backed. And it just it's, it's not a team that's playing for the manager. For me, it's pretty clear to see. You've got got a game as well. It
1: is this difficult run of fixtures? Um, you've got a game. Who okay, else they take playing next Saint John Saint Johnson at home, then on yeah. at home as well. So that, yeah, those are two games that they have to win. But I think if they don't take six points out of six on those two games, Lennon is probably gone. Is that fair to say?
0: Well, I'm,
1: I know, I know. She you've
0: got she, she for me. we need to win five in a row up until Ibrook's but. Yeah. I'm going to admit that right now I am at this present time I'm very worried an absolute hiding at Ibrooks I've got to be honest and it's it's the first time I think I've said that (laughs) maybe even ever to be honest with you the way it's gone now I think we could get an absolute hiding at Ibrooks
1: I think there's a lack of organisation to the back line that and I'm I'm not I'm I'm not saying that I'm prophetic. I'm not saying that I'm predicting the future here. But see, when we look towards the end of Neil Lennon's time at Hibs, one of the most striking features of those last few months was how poor defensively Hibs were. I remember I don't know if you guys will remember this, but it was when Steve Cart was in charge at Kilmarnock and the floodlights failed at Rugby Park. Do you remember that game?
0: Oh, I can't say I do. To be honest,
1: it finished It finished 3 0 to Kilmarnock. And to be fair, one of those three goals was a last minute goal from Greg Stewart that was a kind of case of Hibbs throwing everyone forward. So that was almost a goal that we can discount. Not, not discount, but we can put that to one side. But they scored their opening two goals in the first half, and Hibbs looked so poor defensively. I'm pretty sure that was one of. Neil Lennon's last games before the whole supposed training g- ground debacle, the back although I'm not sure what actually happened again who the knows really what happened there other than those who were there but Hibs were so poor defensively and if I was a Celtic fan I would be extremely worried I mean I, they've kept clean sheets obviously against St Johnston and Hibs um, start of October end of September but since then they haven't convinced defensively I'm just looking at, at it there Two goals lost against Rangers, three against Aberdeen. I know they, they played well against Motherwell, only conceded one. But then two against Hibbs, and you've got Sparta Prague thrown into the mix there as well. You've got more um, than two goals against Wheel. You get AC. You've got sorry AC Milan at home, and I, I know that that's good quality opposition. But defensively, Celtic have not looked solid at all, and you contrast that with Rangers. And Steven Gerrard's ability to almost coach that defensive resilience into his side. Celtic, on the other hand, looks so weak. It's like a knife through butter at times when you see teams running through them. I mean, we can speak about that third goal against AC Milan and you can say Celtic were throwing men forward. But you almost weren't surprised to see that happen just because Celtic are so spineless at times. And you can have all the talent in the world going forward. Christy, Edouard... Um Well, and Ayeti I suppose as well. I think it's been all right. But see, if you don't have your house in order at the back, even if you you do have that attacking quality, you will struggle. And you can write off some of the teams down the bottom, and that's why they will beat you know most teams in the bottom six very comfortably, as they should. But when you come up against teams like Aberdeen, like Hibs, and obviously like Rangers, with a bit more attacking grip between their teeth, a bit more attacking quality. Celtic are in goals. It really is worrying um, for Neil Lennon and Celtic. And I think, you know, it is almost a hallmark of Neil Lennon's sides when he's on the way out. The floodgates, you could even say floodgates, I think, start to open.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking back to every kind of big game slash tricky Game we've had this season, I don't think we've won one. You could take it back to the second game of the season, I, thought, I think the second game of the season at Rugby Park. That was second. First, yeah. first, first time you've got a game where you think, right, like a kicking counter. Absolutely nowhere to be seen at any of them. Arguably lucky to get a point for the game. Even the I
1: goal. Thought, the goal was a big mistake from Danny Rogers, who we'll come on to, I think it's been excellent, but anyway. That was a mistake from Danny Rogers. Ryan Chris's free kick was, what, 35 yards out? On another day, another goalkeeper saves that. Celtic walk away from Rugby Park with a loss there. Uh, yeah.
0: Just then, yeah. Ab- 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 Aberdeen again. Complete head loss at the back. 2-1 doing all right. Get it, get it back to 3-2 and give away a stupid penalty at the end and drop their points. Already alluded to it at the weekend with brown. Complete head loss at nothing each. Chasing the game for that point. It's just, just feels like we're making the same mistakes, game after game. I'll, but I'm not even going to get started in Europe this season because... I've spoke about, I spoke about it plenty, I think, before. And it's just been an absolute car crash. We've completely embarrassed ourselves in Europe this year.
1: To not, be fair,
0: not least playing Sparta-Prague at home. But, to be I fair, McCann...
1: And I know that you have, I'm not I'm not excusing Lenin, I'm not excusing the side, but that group was as difficult as I think it could have been. Lille are absolutely flying in France. AC Milan are the form team in Europe, not just Italy. And Sparta Prague are, are doing well in the Czech League for, for um you know all, all that the Czech League isn't anywhere near as strong as League 1 or Serie A, but that group itself was really difficult and I think I think more the criticism should be directed at Lenin for the showings domestically in recent weeks, I, and I know that the performances have been poor, you can't excuse losing as heavily as they did at home to Sparta Prague, but I think that's almost more understandable, if not excusable, it is more understandable, the quality of the opposition there, but domestically, I totally agree with you, McCann, it's not been good enough. Well, I
0: would, I would count four games in Europe, including the and Sparrow's game, three of them have been completely, well, AC Milan was the completely unacceptable because AC Milan can do that to teams but it's the goals we can they really frustrated me again, even, even at home to, or away to Lille, sorry Yeah, but half, so, half time or are 2-0 we can see the game out at 2-0 but again we can see two soft goals and alright, it's, it's a good point away in France, I'm not taking that away for Celtic but it's just been completely uninspiring just seem to be leaking goals for you all over the pitch. It's
2: and as you as you said earlier, McCann, it's just it's the same mistakes that seem to be happening every week. And it just it genuinely does look like the players just can't be arsed. Uh, it's, it's kinda
0: The the other week when it mentioned a culture culture change, I think I think the big change that's needed is the personnel and the out. to be honest.
2: Aye. Well, you're looking at that way. Was it after the Fernvaros game? He was saying some players don't want to be here, and then... Not, aye, not one of them, <laughs> sorry.
1: So who was he talking about there, do you think? Which players
0: do you think he I was think, talking about?
2: I, I think it was directed at the kind of like eye on that, because you heard a lot of like AC Milan but, but see, see,
0: be, see be fair Torres see for me I are showing them oh, arguably I, I, the most heart of MD in that Celtic I, team this season I, I, I think I are arguably being our best player this season I apart from possi- possibly El Lucy but just uh,
2: Edward doesn't seem the same I'm not sure if that's due to the effects of Covid or he,
0: if he's... he looked okay when he came on on Saturday which was oh, I mean it was it's hard to draw any encouragement for Saturday I, I mean just I'd, I'd always try and find smidge of encouragement for every game, and that's, that's maybe my wee kind of twinkle of encouragement. But it was really, really hard to find anything for that game on Saturday. Just my
2: my opinion
0: right now is
2: we don't really have a system, and Lennon's just hoping that there's some individual brilliance that gets us a goal or two and gets us the three points. That's the way it looks right now. We've seen. There doesn't seem to be any kind of solid structure. Especially defensively. Defensively, we're all over the place.
0: Had, I, think, I think. I think you're right in the sense that already twice this season the formations changed. We started yeah. with four-two-three-one, I think. Went to three-five-two after a decent second half against Mullerwell. and then again went to four-three-three after a semi-decent second half against AC Milan. And yep. See, see, to be honest. You look, you look across. I don't, I don't want to draw too many comparisons to Angels, Rangers but you look across the other side of the city same formation every week 11 players on the part that know exactly what their role is Celtic don't have that in yeah. fact they don't have anything close to that at the minute um,
1: see what you were saying there Torres just to go back ever so slightly to that comment mm-hmm. about relying on individual brilliance um, I wouldn't say I agree with what you're saying I wouldn't say brilliance but individual moments of magic and the one player for me who that applies more to than MD Elson at this moment in time in that Celtic team is is Tom Rogic, who's obviously come back in. And it's not sustainable to rely on one or two players over a full season to keep on producing the goods. When you look at any manager throughout history who's relied solely on one player, it never ends well. I mean, they can maybe drag you out of trouble what, 10, 12 games a season if they're world-class. But no disrespect to Tom Rogic, he's not he's not world-class. So he might be able to dra- drag Celtic out four or five games this season. But that isn't going to be enough if they keep playing the way they are playing to keep up with Rangers and to overtake Rangers. I think there needs to be more focus on the team as a whole rather than individual players like Rogic and what they can do. It screams of desperation on the part of Lennon and-, and McCann. You are correct, just... <coughs> about the changes of formation, I mean, there's a four-two-three-one at one point, it's a flat three-five-two, it's a three-one-four-two. Just looking at some of the formations that they've been playing, and that in itself, I, and it's good to be tactically flexible as a manager, of course. But that to me strikes me more as. Tactical desperation Rather than tactical nah, um, Ability It doesn't strike nah, That's exactly it. It. Dude, it's it's for like... a while, To
0: be honest Tactical yeah. desperation Try uh-huh. one thing It shit. works for 45 minutes Try it for the next Five games You Wimp along To be honest Until you try an Another formation Which works yeah. for 45 minutes And repeat the cycle It's
1: really like When you're playing Football manager And you don't have a clue What to do That's almost I know that's <laughs> A simplistic comment to make But Some managers can Like be very flexible with their formations and and they're very good at it because they drill it into their team on the training ground. Lennon, for all, he is good as a momentum manager. He is a momentum manager, I think. I don't think he is good enough tactically. He's okay tactically at points, but I don't think he's good enough tactically to drill in two, three, perhaps even four different styles of play into his team in such a short space of time. And As you say, they do look a bit lost at times and you do wonder if that maybe then leads to what we were saying earlier about the players looking uninterested the players looking as if they could not be asked to use your words Torres I wonder if that's a byproduct of this tactical juggling, this kind of coming and going to and fro, and the players are just exasperated, I think I wouldn't be surprised if perhaps deep down that's the case, I mean the players would never admit to that but you, you just you do get the impression that this um, constant tinkering from Lennon is upsetting the chemistry of the team, is upsetting the balance of the team, and it's now translating into what one win uh, in what, six or seven weeks. I don't know we've had an international break, but
0: well, if, well, uh, if you're counting the 2020 21 season, so discounting the semi final will uh-huh. one win in seven games, which is quite frankly not acceptable. No, it's, it's unacceptable for a club like
1: St. Johnston and I'd say that not as a disrespect to St. Johnston, I've got a lot of respect for them, but it's it's, it's unacceptable for a club who are in the bottom six and who would be challenging for the top six. So for Celtic,
0: it's, it's absolutely not good enough. So, Torres, mm-hmm. if you're all looking forward, if you if, if tonight you're, you're told Lennon's out somebody else is coming in, who would you want? It's a, it's a que- question I've been asked a couple of times I've no I've not really got the answer to it, but at the end of the day, we're not the people that have to come up with the answers for that, or should have the answers See, for it. I've seen a lot
2: in the likes of Twitter and that, like folk wanting Eddie Howe, you, you're he- hearing Gordon Strachan's name getting bandied about, but... See, to us, anyone that could come in and kind of just drill a bit of structure onto the team would get them going in the right direction. So the likes of like a Strachan, whose teams are normally organised, or the likes of like an Eddie Howe, he's got like an identity. And it would kind of get us in the right track, I think. It's just, it looks as if
0: they
2: we're sailing a rudder of shit right now and we're heading straight towards an iceberg. That's
0: the way it looks. Aye. I mean, for me, we definitely need some kind of organisation and and class because we're absolutely running out of time to even make this a a title challenge this year, never mind a title push. Yeah. Yeah. Because the more this goes on, the further ahead Rangers are going to get because at the end end of the day, I I made the point yesterday, without any pressure, Rangers are, are an excellent football team. But... We have put absolutely zero pressure on them with a tough game against Aberdeen on Sunday. That's not to say if Celtic went out and beat Hibs four nothing at Easter Road, Rangers when they had the same score yesterday, but it's, from a psychological point of view, Celtic rocking points on Saturday has to give Rangers a And I think it did, in all honesty. But it's, just, it's been that, that story all season. Celtic have not put any pressure on up to this moment for me. Yeah, and that's well. that. That uh, that's no me trying to take anything away from the Rangers. By the way, that's just me talking from a Celtic point of view as a Celtic fan. Obviously, if Toff was on or something, the night, he he would say, "Aye, but we're playing brilliant," and I I'm not going to disagree with that. I've I didn't see the game. I've not seen a lot of Rangers uh, because they've been winning, to be honest. But but uh, from a Celtic point of view, it just feels as if we are putting absolutely no pressure on them. We're not giving them anything to think about.
2: Just going back to what you asked me is there
0: anyone like in the top of your head like, that you'd like in Celtic? Well so but it would, it would probably need to be somebody a job let's be honest Eddie, nah. Eddie Howe's the one that absolutely screams out it's, and you, you get it for folks saying oh, do you think you'd want to go to Celtic in that? I, I, I think we are selling ourselves short, aren't but nobody by saying Eddie Howe but I think question whether Eddie Howe would want to come to Celtic. Really, selling or, or sell shot. Offer offer Eddie Howe. I don't know thirty grand a week or something to come and manage Celtic. I think he would jump at the chance, quite frankly, because in my opinion, his next move will probably be the English Championship. Otherwise, to try no, and we'll, I have, think a, have maybe, a similar kind of job that he done with Bournemouth before. But yeah, I think, I think, he think he'll, talks with Barnsley. I think last time I heard. Ah, I, mean, but, I, mean, I mean, let's be honest, Celtic and Barnsley, that's an absolute no-brainer. Yes. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, it's off your side because we've still got Neil win as a manager. I've, as much as myself, yourself, Torres, and just about every other Celtic fan doesn't want that to be the case, that is the case at the minute. And, let, and listen, by the way, I'm, I'm a big Neil Wynn fan, but... It's it's absolutely time to move on It's not
1: working anymore It's like a relationship that's run its course And I think particularly with the fact That this was obviously his second spell Wasn't it in the dugout I I think that Yeah Listen, Lennon stepped up When Celtic needed him most And I think a lot of Celtic fans will remember it You'll have some um, Some people within the Support who will forget that which is a shame, but I think Lennon does need to move on. I do not see how he turns it around from here. And we speak about a new manager bounce, but Celtic need, an, they need a new manager series of bounces because what? Well, even if they win their two games in hand, still five points behind Rangers and Rangers are playing well and you've still got what, three more games you would have to play against Rangers. I think the next appointment arguably is one of the most important managerial... And We're jumping the gun here because Lennon's not away yet, but if Lennon does go in the next couple of weeks, the next managerial appointment is one of the most important managerial appointments in the history of Celtic Football Club. And uh, that may sound uh, melodramatic, but there's so much riding on this. When in our generation will Celtic have as good an opportunity again to record 10 in a row. I don't think they ever will. If they miss it this time, that's it, as far as our generation is concerned. And I know that you can't predict the future, but nine titles in a row and all that's happened in that intervening period, and there is a lot that has happened in that intervening period, I don't think we'll see anything like that ever again for a while, which is good, because we want a duopoly at the very least. I mean, I'd much rather have a triopoly or a quadruply if those are even words. Um, in Scotland but at the very <laughs> least at the very least I want a duopoly I don't want a monopoly which we've had for the last nine years and I don't think we'll see the same level of total domination on the part of one team um, certainly for a number of years to come so this is it as far as Celtic are concerned going for 10 in a row and they need to get it right where whether they either keep winning on and they get right behind them and the players get their acts together and they start following in penalties, they start jumping for headers, they start taking their chances, or if not, I, I, even if they do do that, I think it's still obviously Rangers title to lose now. But Celtic do need a huge change of direction, and it's it's a fairly easy comment to make. It's not um, that insightful a comment on my part, but it's a huge period in the history of Celtic Football Club this, the next few weeks?
0: I mean, I would completely agree, I, obviously, whoever's coming in is coming in, with, well, whoever's theoretically coming in, I should say, it's, it's a very, very hard job to come into at the minute, let's be honest, you've got Rangers who so are on fire, you've got an 11-point deficit to catch, it's, it's not no going to be a mean feat for it, and to be honest... It might not be enough anyway. The like, Rangers might already have the, have the deficit. I, I don't think it's an unassailable deficit at the minute, personally. Yeah. But with this current strategy, if nothing was to change, I, 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 I would write it off. I, I, think, I, I think Rangers are coasting to the league if, if yep. nothing changes.
1: And obviously you, you're mentioning Eddie Howe. I mean, again, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves in terms of if Lennon even leaves. But Eddie Howe, when he left Bournemouth, he left Bournemouth for a reason. Let's not forget how bad they were last season, right? And you can talk about the impact of the pandemic on momentum or whatever, but since February, the start of February, Eddie Howe only won two games as a manager, right? And I know that that was only from February through to, what, um, July. So I think that was about 14 games worth of football. Only won two of those And he lost an awful lot of them, right? And you can say fresh environment, fresh results, absolutely. But there's still a degree of... It's not like you're poaching Eddie Howe from another team because he's doing well. You would be taking on Eddie Howe as a manager who parted ways with a club, which was struggling and went down fairly meekly, shall we say, at the end of the season. So that in itself would even guarantee the sort of bounce you would require to get anywhere near Rangers. It's, it's a difficult one for the Celtic board. It's an unenviable position in which they find themselves.
0: At the end, I don't think, would do they even, let's say, push it here. I don't even think that, that would give the guaranteed bounce that, that we need. But...
1: Pochettino would never come to Celtic. I'm not saying that. No, I, no
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying for a second point that I would even consider Pochettino because he's let's be honest waiting on a Man United or something yeah. but uh, just up, e- even if we were to get Pochettino tomorrow it might not even be the required bounce but we have to twist like, it's the decisions that have to be made Yeah. That might look back at the end of the season and say Oh well I've done the work but it's yep. not working the way it's gone so it's, you have to try and change it absolutely but, uh, what, was, what was I going to say there Oh aye, aye, sorry, about, about Eddie Howe, aye. obviously his, his stock was m- really, really high probably this time about two years ago, they were t- touting him for the England job, and a bit the Arsenal job and stuff like that as well, yep. but it's, uh, at the end of the day it's going to need to be something like that, you, Rod, oh, right, Rogers stock was probably a bit better than Eddie Howe at, t- at the time Rogers came in, but at the end of the day Rogers was still an unemployed manager as well, yeah, at the end, of my 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 pick would be to go out and offer Marco Rose eighty grand a week, but that is complete fantasy land <laughs> and just not going to happen. Let's be honest. Marco like Rose also
1: is yes. as unlikely to join that, Celtic as pockets You know what? Marco Rose is living the life at Munchen
0: Gladbach. That that's the one I wanted at the time, and obviously, obviously went to Munchen Gladbach and doing very, very well. So, he's pro- proving himself to be a good manager beyond the Austrian Bundesliga with the resources that he's got that he had in that week. So, absolutely. But, in fantasyland, I'm wanting chuck the money at Marco Rose, give munching glad, back ten million compensation or whatever it was. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a complete fantasyland, isn't it? So, I think the likes of Eddie Howe, maybe you're uh, trying to think of managers at working. I was thinking of the guy that was at Schalke, but I watched them last year and they were David dead, Wagner.
1: No way. Jose. <laughs> Feel sorry for David. I think He needs. A bit of time away from the field after that nightmare he endured in the Gelsenkirchen or the Veltons Arena, rather.
0: And obviously, you've got the likes of, I don't know, Kike Sanchez Flores and guys like that. But at the end of the day, there's people in that Celtic boardroom that are paid a lot of money who should have a list of targets should a change need need to be made. Which, to be honest, should have have been in place when Rodgers was there. Because we yeah. always knew there, was, we always knew there was a chance Rodgers was going to get tempted. but alright, the the way he left was absolutely horrendous, and a, a, a lot of Celtic fans, including myself, can never really forgive him for that. But yeah, at the end of the day, there was there was always we always knew Brendan Rodgers was going to be a three four year tops before he went down to England again or further further afield in Europe. Even, but we always knew there was going to be a. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't even think of
1: the term for it. You knew uh, his head would be turned the minute uh, he went to Casa Amor. He was not coming back to the Love Island Villa um, without Leicester City or any other top flight English club uh, in his arm. He was always coming back with a. The minute his head was turned, he was, well, his head was turned to, to use a ITV reality hockey show analogy.
0: But at the end of the day, we should, we should have had our next, next appointment. We should, we should have known, we should have had candidates in mind, is what I'm trying to say. And you always have a contingency but, uh, plan. No
1: after how well things are going, you always have a contingency plan in place. No I mean, for, me, for me,
0: it was absolutely never Neil no winning. I'm not, I'm, I mean, Lear Lennon came in and done his job to the end of the season. And to be
2: That's, honest, that, that,
0: that, that, is, that is where the handshake should have been made. Yep. Good luck for the rest, rest of your career, blah, blah, blah. Not to say done bad last season, by the way, because Celtic actually played really quite well at times last season. Um, um, and you could re- you could, you could
2: see me. you could see, it starting to regress at points last season. But oh,
0: I mean, yeah. I mean the, prof- uh, the professionalism uh, since Rodgers has left is n- night and day. let be honest. I mean, uh, it's and, so so clear to see, and that's it's, there's no I, I'm not actually trying to rewrite history when I say that because. The last season under Rodgers, we were by no means brilliant. But, again, I think that's that was due to poor recruitment. It kinda, the Celtic never really go hand-in-hand hand with a good coaching team and good recruitment that's either one or the other, because the recruitment in the last season under Rodgers was quite, frankly, pathetic. The recruitment under Lennon, all or, or right, some of them have flopped badly, but the recruitment on paper has been very good. But it's just getting the two to gel together. Has
1: not happened up to now. Absolutely. Shall we? Not that I want to move on. I mean, I feel, I feel, I
0: feel as if I'm ranting too much about Celtic. Yeah. So I No, I know. No, I strictly Celtic podcast. So we
1: could be here. We could be here for another hour talking about the problems at Celtic Park and where the solution lies. But I mean, we don't have another hour, um, and I think that. We do need to as difficult as it will be for you and Torres, <laughs> give credit to Rangers, give credit to Stephen Gerrard, because objectively, even the two of you must be thinking that this Rangers team are good. Like only what, four points dropped all season? Um, by my count, although I've maybe uh, two,
0: two two draws, I think. Yeah.
1: Two draws, and even then it was away at Livingston and away at Hibbs and that's that's fine. I would say Stephen Gerrard would probably classify that as collateral damage and what is looking like a successful season. I think we need to talk about defensively. Um, Gerrard. I mean, it's it's one thing being good defensively, but they're so exciting. I think going forward as well. I mean, they hammered Hamilton for eight. That doesn't really happen that often um, in any league, no matter. How big the golfing class between teams at the top end and team at the bottom end. And I just think, I mean, I, I made the argument a few episodes ago now that Gerard is better tactically than Lennon, is a better coach, arguably, full stop than Lennon. And that's not to say that when Gerard first came in, he was a better coach than Lennon. Some people seemed to um, get all excited when I suggested. That Lennon wasn't as good a coach as Gerard and started saying always oh, Gerard won this, that or other thing. You know, coaches develop just like players develop, Serge Gnabry at Bayern Munich, case and case in point. Um case in point, sorry. And I just think that Gerard's trajectory as a coach has been so impressive. I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Stephen Gerard, his mourning when he first came up, his sense of self-entitlement, you could argue, really grated me. But I have to I have to really give him credit this season last season in Europe as well I think they were excellent and he's shown that he's learning, I think there will be times when Rangers fans perhaps last season would have thought why are we not changing this or why are we persisting with that um, but I think those observations will be fewer and further between uh, on on the part of Rangers fans this season Um They're getting it spot on more often than not. And you could say throwing away the two-goal lead against Benfica was naivety on the part of Gerard or the players. I don't think it was. I just think it was um, Darwin Nunez coming off the bench and as uninterested as he looked, great player. Um, Change that. You know, it's a moment of individual brilliance to go back to what you were saying, Torres. Um, And you can't account for that as a manager. I don't think you can't totally account for that as a manager. I think over the season... So far, Gerard has shown himself to have developed, to have learned lessons, to have taken on board feedback which he will have received from his peers in the game. He has an excellent contact book, Stephen Gerard. I think he, I think he will go on to a better job than Rangers in the next few years. I think he'll want to win the league with them this year. I think he knew that it was all or nothing this year, and that can sound melodramatic. But it wasn't just all or nothing for Rangers as a football club. It was all or nothing arguably for Steven Gerrard as well. This was career-defining for him because had he lost the title again to Celtic, had he gone another season without any form of trophies, people start asking questions about Gerrard's mentality as a manager, his suitability to eventually take on the job at Liverpool, which, let's be honest, is, I think, the end goal as far as Steven Gerrard is concerned. Straight away, come the end of the season, it's another trophy year for Rangers. All of that starts to crumble, I think. And that can be harsh because... And it can be premature as a judgment. But people remember these things. People judge. Football managers, football players are under so much scrutiny these days. I mean, the coverage across all forms of um, media, you know, whether it be digital or whatever... There's so much more scrutiny these days, and I don't know if Gerard would ever have fully recovered reputationally from another season of relative failure. And under that pressure, and it's a different sort of pressure to that which Neil Lennon found himself under, but it was still a huge amount of pressure. He has delivered, and I think we have to give them total credit for that.
0: Oh, I mean, absolutely. Listen. <laughs> for all my greats for Celtic, I can't, I, I can't really I I take anything away from the Rangers so far this season. I mean, the form itself—the form speaks for itself, to be honest. Uh, hmm. I mean, two draws, as you said, away to Livingston, Hibs, not embarrassing results in the slightest. No,
2: nope. obviously,
0: like, Celtic dropped points at Easter Road at the weekend, but lucky to only dropped two points, really, in all honesty. But uh, aye, I mean, I've not showed any signs of letting up so far this season. As much as my great with we're not putting any pressure on them to let up. They're still they're still just a well well oiled machine at the minute. Popping along. Aye. I mean they've absolutely dispatched the the third best team in the league with without barely blinking an eye. Four nothing. Easy days. So yeah, I mean, you just look at the results recently and
1: there is quite a lot of praise, quite rightly, for the defending and, and the defensive side of, of their game. But 4 nil Aberdeen, 8 nil Hamilton, one nil away at Kelly, which is an excellent result. I mean, you might say that I'm saying that through Kelly-tinted <laughs> specs, but I think it's an excellent result for any team to come to Rugby Park and go away with three I points.
0: Mean, um, I mean, especially the form they've had at Kelly the last few years. Absolutely.
1: Psychologically, it was a huge result for them. Um, Being Livingston 2-0, Celtic away 2-0, two 2-0 nil, two nil at home to Ross County, 5-1 away at Motherwell, 4-0 at home to Dundee United. Yeah, you know, they're regularly scoring goals and out of all their wins this season, only two of those, what, 13 wins have been by a solitary goal. Every other win has been by two goals or more, which speaks volumes of how confident they are going forward. It really... To me, even if Celtic had been operating at full throttle and at the levels they had been operating at so consistently over the last few years, I still think Rangers would probably be just about ahead. And it really is impressive. It is encouraging for Rangers. Um, The question is, they're obviously so focused on this season, but there is a need to look forward and to sustain what they will now see as well, I kind of return to what it used to be. I can't remember the last time when Rangers would have been better than Celtic, but they want that to be the norm rather than the exception. Um, because, you know, you get to the end of the season, Rangers aren't quite on the ball in the transfer market. I think they will be. I think the boy they've got in down at Southampton, forget his name, but the kind of director of football is excellent and it makes such a big difference to the recruitment. Um, so I don't think they will take their eye off the ball. But they must not, because come the end of the season, see Rangers do end 10 in a row, or hopes of 10 in a row, and then they rest on their proverbial laurels and they sit back. Celtic bring in a new and exciting coach, the likes of a rejuvenated Eddie Howe, right? Let's go back to him. And Celtic invest cleverly in the transfer market and rangers then regress to what has become the norm ie celtic with a better team and rangers were the kind of the pretender to the throne you could say rangers fans won't want that the rangers board won't want that the rangers players won't want that and i don't think any of those three sets of people would accept it so it'll be interesting to see and we're looking beyond the season which isn't even halfway through isn't it but i think there will be already what well certainly um, you would expect there would be long-term planning underway, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of impact this season, this hugely important season has on the next decade of Scottish football Aye, sorry, so, not- sorry to scare you boys. I know that's quite a scary thought, thinking that the tables could turn and Rangers could be the dominant force of the next decade, I'm not saying they will but there's a huge summer of planning ahead, regardless of what happens in the league this season
0: like, I mean, I think, I think between the two, it's always going to be swings and roundabouts, it. So it has been yeah. prob- probably since the year two thousand to two thousand and ten. Before obviously all the mayhem happened. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I like over over the years, I've can kind I of use the term for Celtic saying the only team that can stop Celtic winning in ten is Celtic, which I think is absolutely ringing through it. At the minute. I think you can turn that on Rangers you know, and say the only team that can stop Rangers winning the league this year is Rangers Kelly no because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying Rangers would have, would have won the league last year but at the end of the day they, they shot themselves in the foot all, a lot as well as Celtic's form was good after the new year I mean getting beat 1-0 off of Hamilton you, you, see, you see what the difference between Rangers and Hamilton this year but it's kind of results that just shouldn't have happened for them. So it is all about their bottle but they're, that is, they're, they're not showing any signs of letting you know? up. So I, in all honesty, I know there's a lot of folk uh, kind of persuasion of being a Celtic fan, kind of holding out a bit of hope for that. For, for me, I, can, I can't really see a pure falling off the cliff this season.
2: It's not say nah, I don't you- even
0: like to drop points between now and the end of the season because... I they're not going to win twenty three games. at all Like, like uh, if that comes back to me, I'll be astounded at the, at the end of the season. But uh, I thought it's not. It's not going to be a car crash in the same way last season for me. No, they just nah, they work. They, can... lo- they look so much more assured. They've hardly conceded a goal this season. Thank you. But, but they've
2: got to... they've got
0: their balance of the team spot on. now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hurts to, hurts to say for the outside kind of? No even looking in because I'm not I'm not even really watching their games because you don't get don't get any satisfaction that or oh, they, they might drop points here because it just do, doesn't feel as if it's gonna happen it? So Yeah, will we will
1: we will we put the old firm to bed for this evening and maybe um we were way down the table? Would that suit the two of you or would you rather
0: spend so a bit more? Absolutely, happily. Aye. <laughs>
1: Right, okay, well, over there. Uh, I, I, we'll go low, but not too low. Um, steady on, Torres. There, Vier. That was quite a creepy laugh. I'm quite traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sit, sitting in the flat in my own, and uh, I was like, "Was that Torres, or is there somebody that's just crept into my my um, my front door?" No, it's it was only Torres. I say it was only no, But anyway, um, good win for Komanuk. On Saturday, I think it was an important win after three losses on the bounce. Seems to be a pattern that... Well, that's the thing with patterns. They're recurring, aren't they? Um, Whereby Alec Dyer and Kilmarnock will go on a run of games where they'll lose and then they'll pull a win out when they really need to. And it's kind of strange that we're sitting in sixth place. um, But I suppose when you do go on the sorts of runs that we do go on it probably makes sense you know you win some then you lose some then you win some then you lose some then you win some then you lose some Um, and you could say well that's quite simplistic because arguably any run goes that way but um, with Kilmarnock it just seems to be quite marked um, that pattern I think I don't know if either of the two of you caught Chris Burke's goal
0: uh, I'm not going to like you, yeah, I was scurried with the football yesterday Saturday, so I've seen absolutely nothing of the football, I'm, I'm hoping with Torres... would do and so that so I... somebody knows what they're talking
2: about for the rest of the games Torres, I, was watching, you... I was watching sports scene on my lunch, and the only goal I didn't see the killer game was the Chris Burke
1: goal uh, Well, what I will tell you is, Chris Burke is ageing like a fine wine, as everybody's saying that so it's hardly a fresh take from myself, but that goal was beautiful. You could say he absolutely thunder-twats it into the net, but I think that would be doing it at the service. He takes his man in, and, and and also let's let's just take a moment to criticise the defending, because by God, the boy throws himself in. Um, like Wesley Fafana was throwing himself into every challenge uh, at Anfield last night. I mean, for a great young defender, I thought he was woeful at Anfield. But anyway, um, the Ross County defender, I can't even think, I think it was maybe, um, oh, I wonder, throws himself in, throws, throws himself into this challenge and honestly, he, he, he says to Chris Burke, there you go, if you just... I'm not taking away from Burke's control because it was brilliant, but the defender doesn't exactly cover himself in glory. The space then opens up for Burke and he absolutely lashes it and It's the sort of thing that, you know, if there hadn't been a net, then if it hit somebody in the back of the face, we would be seeing it in the local papers. Chris Burke donates match ball to boy with a broken face. It was going... 150 miles an hour this but I've exaggerated there but Jesus it was an absolute thunder twat of a shot loved it Um he's having a good season Burke isn't he oh absolutely even, even uh, that, it? Even really that, is. What, what is he th- 37 37 38? 37, 38? He's, 37
0: isn't he um, he's, he's really really, <laughs> really defying time in the last yeah. couple of
1: seasons I think we do as well he didn't start against Ross County and you can see why well, did not start we, we need to manage players like Burke he's a national treasure and he is, Torres, there's that laugh again, Torres. Is there somebody... Nah, I'm kidding. On. Like, um, but no, he is a national treasure, and it's about managing players. We saw Jurgen Klopp moaning about the schedule and all of that. But at the end of the day, they're taking however many hundreds of millions in TV money, so you manage your squad, because you've got a massive squad. Um, and Alec Dyer is, I suppose, managing the squad at Kelly. It's not a big squad that we have, but he did raise players. He is rotating his full-backs now, which is encouraging. And it meant that when Burke did come on, there was that bit more hunger on, on his part. And the goal, I think, was a direct result of that hunger. Brilliant player. I Five goals now, level with Nicky Cabamba in the league for Kelly's top scorers. I mean, for a winger, age 37, playing for a Kilmarnock team to have scored five goals, even at this stage in the season, is, I mean, it's not amazing, it's not unprecedented, but it deserves a lot of credit. Just as well, we've we've done that a few times now, turned teams over, and it was 3-1, but it could have been a lot more than 3. I mean, Broadfoot, a word for Kurt Broadfoot, um, he's been fantastic. Oh, yeah.
0: No, you're not for Kurt
1: Broadfoot. I can't stand that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let's just look at the player and how he's been playing for Klo And I was one of the first to cast out on his signing a second time around when he came back from St Mirren. I really wasn't too sure about it. But he has been brilliant for the majority of the season for Komaruk. Danny Rogers, a lot of people, when he signed, ridiculed that signing. I wasn't too convinced, but was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And he did make a couple of mistakes. That one against Celtic, we mentioned earlier, Ryan Christie's free kick. Any top flight goalkeeper should be saving that easily. Not just saving it, but holding on to it. He didn't even get near it. But he pulls out a fantastic save. Um... Against I, I,
0: I did see that save so, actually. Absolutely brilliant. That is That's the one thing I can comment on for the That was a fantastic. Superb
1: save. superb save. Um and he looks more assured coming out to take crosses than he had previously. And when you contrast Danny Rogers with the absolutely awful goalkeeper that was Lorenzo Branescu it's night and day. I mean, I, I was one of Branjescu's biggest detractors and what annoyed me was people on the fans' forums, on Twitter, trying to defend Branjescu. I wasn't sure if they were bots planted by the Russian government or if they were genuine fans because he was awful. Distribution, so bad. Um, Coming for crosses, so bad. Positioning for a big goalkeeper was so often caught out with shots from distance that really he should have been dealing with easily. And now that we've got Danny Rodgers, I mean, Danny Rogers isn't a fantastic goalkeeper. Can I, can I ask what happened to the other?
0: Uh, see uh, the boy for Sheffield United. Is he still cropped? Yeah, he,
1: um, well, obviously made his debut against Hibs and rushed out of his goal, I think, in what, 20 minutes, was it not? Um, and then caused a goal there and then suffered an injury and then was hooked at time and only managed to get back into the team in the recent League Cup games. Um, there was an injury there. I, I, I felt sorry for Eastwood, I felt like he'd been rushed into the team, he'd signed and then within 24 hours I'm sure he was in in the starting lineup against him, so there's enormous pressure on young shoulders, particularly when Danny Rogers had been there all summer with the team and would quite rightly have felt agreed, I'm not sure if he did, um, but yeah, But we seem to have solved the goalkeeping issue for the time being, which is... Half the battle for any team that's in and about the middle of the table. Um, but 100%.
0: what
1: what can't be said uh, is, it, or sorry, what can be said about our opponents on Saturday, Ross County, is that they're in big trouble. I've mentioned before how I just I don't rate Shortkettle well as a manager. I was not quite disgusted, but I was disappointed by his post-match interview. I really think to use a cliche he threw his players under the bus there. And that's the sign of a manager who knows he's either on the way out or who knows that he needs to start turning things around quickly. I'm I'm amazed that Ross County aren't um, in the bottom two. And I suppose that electric start is what's um, somehow relieved them from the bottom two for the time being. But even against 10 men, they were pummeled. They were pummeled by Kilmarnock. And there's just, I think, a, a lack of genuine reason for optimism up in the Highlands uh, and you know you can throw your money at it as the owner up at Ross County quite so, so often does, but if your coach isn't competent and if your coach isn't good enough at this level, then you will naturally find yourself down the bottom end of the table I don't know um, what you guys have made of Ross County so far this season, I suppose in recent weeks they gave Celtic some joy. Uh, was it not Shane Duffy's debut up there, wasn't it? When he scored. Um,
0: I mean, I by the by the way, that that game finished five 0 but it could have easily been five three or five four, such as how bad Celtic have been at the back. But yeah. that, that was uh, Vasilis Barkas is what one of his few good moments so far. It's not. I've got. I've got. To, I've got to be honest and say he's not a keeper. of have overly taken to so far, but that that was, it, Played well on that game, but uh, what was, what was I going to ask you there Hi, Alex Dyer, uh, growing into the role, or was he already suitable for the role, or how, how do you rate his time so far as commander? I, is think he's just... Bush, I think, what is it, Nate, approaching a year he's been in the dugout, maybe more. Than yeah, that, I, I
1: was actually when I found out, do you,
0: do you want to know where I was when I
1: found out Angelo Alessio had been sacked? That was his
0: name, I, I couldn't remember.
1: Alessio, yeah. I'm going to tell you where I was when Alessio was sacked. I was in the Trafford Centre in Manchester. I think it was Debenham's or something, looking at um, candles. Uh, and, yeah, you know, we looked at my phone and this text because uh, I was like, uh, Alessio's been sacked. And at first I thought, I mean, remember even at the time there was a suggestion that the Kawanak Club website had been hacked. So surprising was the news. I mean, that was obviously a load of nonsense. It hadn't been hacked. But at the time, I was like, Dyer's just going to get that job and that's just player power. That's players wanting Dyer in the job because for one reason or, or another they don't like Alessio as a coach. Um, but, I mean, I, I do miss Andrew Alessio. That was last December um, that happened and, and I do still miss Alessio. I think he was a lovely guy. I mean, it like, wasn't, was, wasn't a complete disaster, Alessio. No,
0: was was I, mean, I, disaster. I I I, was, I, oh. remember. I, th- I, think, I think we spoke on it kind of long after he was sacked saying, more really great surprise. That they sound, yeah, well, but, he uh, made...
1: Yeah, he was manager of the month one month and then within about six weeks, I think, maybe slightly longer than that, but within six weeks or so, he was sacked. And I think it was down to the players not really enjoying his style of coaching, which rightly or wrongly led to Alessio being dismissed. But focusing and, and to answer your question, I suppose, on Alec Dyer, I, I just think he's cemented the status in recent months as a fairly average manager which as a Kilmarnock fan, can you really complain about having an average manager? Um, I I don't think you can complain too aggressively about it. He wouldn't be my choice long term. And I'm not writing him off. I I think he's a fine manager. He's a fine manager for Kilmarnock. um, But I don't think we, we would ever break into the top four with Alec Dyer as manager. I think you would look at a sixth place finish with Alec Dyer as manager and you would say, that's Probably just about as well as we could have done. I think he's a, he's okay as a manager. I, I,
0: I, just, I, I quite like him. I'll go to Shaq Oh yeah, seems like oh, quite a good
1: guy. Lovely guy, absolutely brilliant, and you want him to succeed because he's so likable. He's just got this. I, I wrote about him um, when Steve Clark was still in charge, and about how important Alec Dyer was as the go-to for the players. Clark was almost quite removed from the players unless he really had to, but Dyer was the kind of the link between Clark and players and you can see why he's just got this infectious smile he seems really approachable he seems like you know not so much a shoulder to cry on but you know that way people you just find good to speak to and Alec Dyer strikes him as one of those but that doesn't always um, translate into a good football manager I'm not saying Alec Dyer isn't a good manager I think he's fine as I've said but there are patterns of losing a run of games and then winning a few games and then losing a run of games that you think... Mm, but he is developing. I think substitutions are getting better. It hooked profit at time when we were down to 10 men and it was 1-0 and there was a bit of outrage um, from certain sections of the support. And it, I was a little bit puzzled, but I thought, mm, we'll give them to 90 minutes and see how that pans out. And that worked. Um, and... <sighs> I think I've said it you know quite a few times already this episode I think he's a fine manager I think he's an average manager I'm not saying that as a criticism I don't think he's a great manager I don't think he's a bad manager I think he's the sort of manager who either could finish anywhere between 8th and 5th or maybe even ninth and 5th and I don't think we'll get relegated under him I don't think we will push fully for you I suppose 5th place maybe gets into that new conference or whatever they call it doesn't it but I don't know, I, I think he's good but not absolutely brilliant, not great um, and I suppose as a Kilmarnock fan, after years of narrowly escaping relegation I know that we obviously enjoyed a couple of really good years under Steve Clark. but being realistic and being grateful um, and you always want the best for your club but being realistic I think Alec Dyer and Kilmarnock are quite a good fit, he gets on with the players or most of the players I'm sure he gets on with um, the football is quite exciting as well. At times, it can look awful, as it did away to St. Johnston. But I mean, any game played in such thick fog would be awful. But games against Dundee United at home, Livingston away, and then Ross County at home, in those three games have scored ten goals in three games. Which for Kilmarnock, that that's exciting. That's that's good, and it can be frustrating at times because we don't have a great record against Aberdeen and Hibs under Dyer but we didn't have a great record against Aberdeen and Hibs under Clark you could say as well it's just teams that historically over the last decade we've struggled against um, so no my verdict would be a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10 for Dyer uh, and, and keep doing what you're doing as long as we finish 5th, 6th or 7th which I think we'll probably finish in and about there um, you would count that as a successful season
0: absolutely respectable yeah I would say absolutely so yeah. anyway, going on, going on to a team that uh, is definitely going to finish above Koeman this year. Liren, finally. <laughs> Out the gates. A weighty livy. house, a 1-0. What a team. What a team. I think that obviously
1: we can look at the defensive reinforcements they made over the summer.
0: Yeah, That's the only comment I can make in that game, by the way, because I absolutely did not see any of it. Um... I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch it either.
1: So I'm I'm just going to comment more on the teams rather than the game. I think Livingston are suffering in a similar sort of way to Sheffield United down south. I know that this is what, Livingston's third season up rather than second season. But teams are starting to work Livingston out. Livingston also lost Lyndon Dykes. Any team that loses a striker of Lyndon Dykes quality and doesn't adequately replace him will struggle.
0: And I think can I just say right now, well, uh, we'll obviously I'd probably finished talking about Scotland, but Dykes wasn't rated to enough when he was here. No, and I think by, almost... By, yeah. by myself included. I think we almost... And it, it is
1: a flaw on the part of many that if a striker plays for a team like Livingston, and that sounds, that sounds really patronising in itself, I'm not meaning that in a patronising way. I mean, Livingston... Uh, much the same way as I have respect for St Johnston, I have respect for Livingston and the way that they manage with such a relatively small budget I think they do great things um, but when a player plays for a team like Livingston or like St Johnston, we almost discount them and think ah, how good can they actually be and I think Lyndon Dykes has been an excellent lesson for a lot of people that we shouldn't write somebody down or write somebody off, nobody wrote Dykes off but I think they did write him down and it's, I'm delighted, as delighted as the majority or everyone in the country, that Dykes has done as well as he has done. And I think we'll maybe see him even more respect afforded to strikers who are players in any position who come through at bottom six teams. And I think we'll give them more credit, uh, and we'll afford them the credit that they're owed. But as I was saying, you take him out of that Livingston team, and naturally they're going to struggle. It's a shame because they'd done so well. I think their model was fantastic in their first two seasons, but they are struggling this year. And to lose 1-0 at home to St Mirren, they obviously lost 3-1 at home to Kelly just after we'd all, um, or they'd all had players out. With well, I, thought, I think that I think
0: takes St Mirren up to maybe 10 points, I want to say. Six of them have been won against Livingston.
1: Yeah. It's, it's concerning... And I think that Gary Holt and David Martindale, the coaching team at Livingston, are very good. But their hands are tied. And losing games at home to St Mirren, scream of issues at the club, I think. I know that's not a hot take. It's not a hot take to say losing one at home to St Mirren isn't good enough because any team, even if it's Hamilton, who are rotten this season, losing at home to St Mirren... It's unacceptable, and that's not again a criticism of St Mirren. It's more a reflection of how important it is if you're in those relegation battles, or there is a chance that you'll be in those relegation battles, that you win your home games against other teams who are going to be there or thereabouts.
0: Aye, definitely. So, will we get on to it then? Yes. The big story for the other weeks is I when to boogie. I'm not gonna lie, we're absolutely very late to the party, which is why we're <laughs> finishing rather than starting, <laughs> But uh watch, we're going to adopt to. it. How good does that sound? Absolutely
1: ecstatic. Baby.
0: Um do you know
1: what, McCann, I, I think you know, we can talk about the two performances after qualifying. I, I quite frankly thought that they weren't good enough and were quite worrying actually, even if we were literally and figuratively hung over. But Let's focus on the positives purely for time reasons than anything else because that Thursday night was one of the best nights of watching football. It was absolutely brilliant. The game just, I think, I don't know if it was our group chat I mentioned it in, but I mentioned it in one group chat, felt so much like a Kelly game away at hearts under Steve Clark, when you just knew that you were going to win. You knew that you were going to be walking away either with three points as it would be in Kelly's case or qualification for a major international tournament. I thought we were absolutely fantastic. The finish from Ryan Christie was brilliant, but, and I'm not going to try and claim to be the prophet Madden, I'm not, right, but did I not say, or did I not say that that Serbian defence was rank rotten? I slated Stefan Mitrovic, I banged the Stefan Mitrovic as the biggest fraud in Europe drum for a number of months, and his position for the goal, Jesus it was awful. The full back line, there was a screenshot or a still image of the back line and it was like a parallelogram with two lines of three Serbian players offside trap, non-existent and Dykes was the only player in there. They just looked like headless chickens running around trying to catch and as good as Dykes is, six Serbian players who play at the top level of football, a lot of these players. They should not have been that bad but let's not take anything away from Scotland. Absolutely brilliant and um, and oh, Baby Marshall, I, 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 national hero. Like the
0: way you move, baby. I mean, uh, it's probably the best Scotland performance I can remember in probably 10 plus years, in all honesty. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Every, not, not even necessarily poisoning that. the It's The fight, every single last one of them showed. Every single one of them living in that park I thought were tremendous on the yep. night. Not And I'm going to give you special mention to you, the ones you wouldn't the ones you would have been wary of before, before the kick-off. Detling Gallagher, I thought, was the best player in the park. There. I thought, Declan Gallagher played out of skin. Mm-hmm. Up against yes. like Mitrovic, uh, I know it's not a pinnacle, of European football. Mitrovic plays, but he plays with Thorn, who are looked sure for relegation for the Premier League this season. But, see, for Serbia, the guys are bagsmen. The guy's lethal. and, Declan Gallagher did the game a sniff in that game he's still in Declan Gallagher's pocket (laughs) Stephen O'Donnell I know (laughs) Ali does does the (laughs) the perfect (laughs) I like to give Stephen O'Donnell credit nah he was brilliant he was brilliant Stephen O'Donnell again never put a foot wrong that's two guys that play for Motherwell I mean how good an advert's that for the league as a whole because you've got two guys from Motherwell that have just went out Beat Serbia and are now going to a national tournament. Probably the two of them have played their
1: way into the start of the run. Let's oh, absolutely. Be absolutely. The place in that three four three or however you want to classify it, is theirs to lose. 3 yeah. 4 probably 3 4 I think, I I think
2: the it. only thing that would keep them out that squad's injury, because Steve Clark does seem to be pretty
0: loyal to the players that he plays. In. Yeah. It's just brilliant, it. Oh. J no, just, just so brilliant. No, no be sitting wishing It was us for a change. Uh, for a change it is us. Do you I mean, know I've, still, I've cool. still got my I've still got my talk for the last time we were at a tournament and it's a size six month to twelve month or something <laughs> You'll <not> be fitting <laughs> in that one. To, 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 oh,
1: watch,
0: watching it. the game against Brazil and the in the tele with a big massive back on it now. No that no, I can mm. remember this by the way, being the edge of but no.
2: it's just
0: just amazing to get to go I was, every kind, I was every kind of emotion watching the game which I'm, I'm, I'm self-confessed I'm, I don't I normally get like that watching Scotland I always want Scotland to win but it's I never get to the same levels I get when I'm when watching Celtic for for instance but, that, but yeah. that game I just went through every single emotion I was desperate for us to win and see when that Man. Marshall Penalty save came in oh Boy. just could, could I start greeting my
1: can I remember um, the game. I mean, I, used to, I I go to most Scotland home games. There was a, I think between 2003 and 2012, I only missed one home game. And then there was a few years where I kind of fell out of love more because of the price of tickets rather than anything else. But over the last two, three, four years, um, I'd fallen back in love with the national team. I'd fallen back in love with getting the train to Mount Florida and going to Hamden. And, I mean, the stadium was quite often just about empty, but there was still something about going to watch Scotland, even at Ernie Deer, you could say, um, at certain points where which uh, was just something different, and obviously for the two of you guys, you support Celtic, so you're used to having a lot of big occasions. As a Kilmarnock fan, you don't get, you, you, do, you do get your fair share of big occasions and big games, but it just meant that with Scotland, it was an added chance to have that big game, that big occasion, um, so it meant probably a wee bit more to me in that sense um, and see and and I, I admitted that it was it the game against Israel when we won on penalties, I was, that was the last night you could go out for dinner before this second lockdown, I went out for dinner that night and that was extremely unpatriotic of me it was extremely out of character because I do, I do love the national team um, and I, I don't know why I didn't watch that game I think it was a case of just an apathy because international football without fans in much the same way as Kilmarnock games without fans made me quite sad but by God um, was I glad that the same way with you boys that we went back and we watched those games because Jesus uh, fantastic every emotion under the sun as you say McCann the kind of the despair when Jovic heads in the kind of nerves is Davey Marshall makes that excellent save in the second half of extra time or was it the first half of extra time um, and then the sheer joy, jubilation, ecstasy um, when Scotland win, absolutely brilliant and the only thing that kind of is a tinge of sadness is the fact that I don't think the stadiums will be full. There maybe it'll be some fans but it's going to be... Very difficult to get a ticket, even as someone who has been to a lot of the games and probably would have built up quite a few loyalty points. I'm not in the Tartan army, and quite rightly, the tickets will go first and foremost to the Tartan army who go to the away games, absolutely. Um, But I'm kind of resigned to the fact that if stadiums aren't full, probably won't get a ticket, which will be a shame, having seen... fucking. Steve McManus, or what was his name? Stephen McManus scored that last-minute header against Lichtenstein, staying for that. You know, watching Scotland being gubbed by Belgium, watching Scotland having their hearts broken uh, by Italy. All of those games, at times, 52,000 folk in there, at times barely even 10,000 people in there. So I'm a wee bit gutted. Not bitter, I mean, I know I sound really bitter here. Um, I'm a bit gutted that probably won't get tickets for it, even if fans are allowed but at the same time, uh, I'm really looking forward to the prospect of a huge fan zone at Glasgow Green because oh, oof, that... that would be tidy. I mean, my flat's spot, like a 10-minute walk from Glasgow Green and the thought of, A, a fan zone and, B, being able to hopefully have people over uh, from other households in my household by that point, you know, for you know pre-drinks or whatever or a pre-game party, that's what's seeing me through. It's probably seen a lot of people through those plans that people will be making um, the plans to go down to London for the England game, all of those plans are have seen people through. What is a horrible, horrible time, you know? The dark nights been it was dark by ten past three, just about it seemed today. Um, and Steve Clark has genuinely given the nation something to be happy about again. I know that we've got all the positive news with the vaccines, the three vaccines now coming out, but Steve Clark has given people a real tangible reason to be happy again, and it. You know, I take my hat off to him. Absolutely brilliant. What a hero. Sir Steve Clark. Oh, fantastic. See, see, the, see the thought of just sitting
0: with everyone in the pub or whatever, pint in hand, watching Scotland at a major tournament. Just, oh, wow.
1: I what, think what a, I will what, cry. What it I think I will cry when the flower of Sc- I used to love see it him when the flower of Scotland came on. I used to belt it, top of my lungs, even as a wee guy. I think I will cry when the flower of Scotland... I know that sounds heavy melodramatic I genuinely think I will cry when O'Flower of Scotland comes on for that first game what is it the Czech Republic we play first or is it Croatia um, yeah, no, we can't no, Czech
0: Republic Czech Republic,
1: Czech Republic. So when that, anyway,
0: it's, a, it's, it's a discussion for another podcast right yeah. we can get out of that group we can, finish, we can finish third and get out of that group so.
1: if, if, if we is turn in Serbia performance yes if we turn in Israel and Slovakia
0: performance no <laughs> um, do you know what and the light of trying to end it in a positive note, I'm not even going to discuss their performances. But
2: yeah.
0: it's, it's just, how good is it? Absolutely, bro. It's I, fantastic. I, 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 can't, I honestly can't believe how happy it's made me. Oh, but...
1: yes, sir. I can boogie.
0: Yes! Come on! Torres, oh,
2: uh, you're buzzing for it. Oh, aye. Can you wait to see Andy Confidine score the winner against England?
1: What I want to say is, did you see Andy Murray's reaction? I hope to God he gets a wee bit more excited for the actual
0: tournament. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, do, do you know, I, I actually hope that was like rewound so he could just like kind of be acting because if that was his reaction to that, for God's sake, Andy, lighten up a bit. We eh? get Andy. You yeah. like tennis. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some of the pattern on Twitter. I
2: think that was superb.
0: I was bloody fa- <laughs> falling
1: over my, se- my coffee table in the other room. And- Same. Do you know what? See, like, in the flats around me, I thought I would have heard more noise. Nothing. They probably thought there was a murder going on in my flat. The, my voice the next morning was in tatters. It was in an absolute state. I was just beautiful. It, it was the sort of feeling that I think only football can give you. You can have the birth of a, a child, I don't know um, a marriage or whatever but football and only football is capable of giving you that sort of emotion it's unique it's beautiful it's gorgeous and that is why we call it the beautiful game
0: many times have we watched that Marshall reaction oh oh yeah superb
1: he's such a nice guy as well David Marshall I mean remember that time at the new Camp when he came on was it he came on Rab Douglas sent off, wasn't he? Was no, it
0: no, break? no. It was uh no? Park Eddy came on. It was the Park he Eddy came on? As an as an eighteen year old he lined up at the new camp and that was it, yeah. Do you know he It was phenomenal that night and Mark said to him, Cherish this moment because you're because <laughs> your career might have just peaked already. And to 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 be fair to Mark O'Neill, for a long time I had arguably but arguably it. now his, his career's peaked beyond that. See see uh, when- Mitrovic walks That's up there it's, is it's, it's incredible seven, 17 years apart. Yeah. David Marshall's two career behind the moments.
1: Did he not have to wait something like 9 years between his first appearance and his first clean sheet? Maybe I've misremembered that, but there was a staggering do you statistic. You know
0: I uh, I think he went his first seven caps with registering my win. Yeah. David Marshall's arguably the one I'm most happy for in that squad do you know that because such a nice man up, up, until, up until now he's, he's had a brilliant career don't an you know, an absolutely brilliant career but you just feel as if his career at certain points in his career had just never went for him do you mind the season he had with Cardiff in the yeah. Premier League alright oh, Cardiff getting relegated. it was the first first time Cardiff were around he was absolutely brilliant in the Premier League that year yes. went for just about every team under the sun that move just didn't happen for him I think it Arsenal, maybe even Liverpool have been touted as to trying to sign him. And for whatever reason, a move just didn't come for him. Celtic, he was number one, obviously, at the place for Boric. It's we can kind of pinpoints in his career that's just maybe no went for him to have a career at the next level to where it could have been. So to have that moment and perhaps the twilight years of his career, fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely made up for him. Same. And made up for the whole country. Brilliant. Absolutely
1: fantastic. Old. It's not that shite being Scottish, uh, as they say <laughs> in train Yeah, no, great, great, great week, great Thursday, and a lovely note to end on. Right, anything more to
0: add? As no. To say, we're,
1: just... not,
0: we're not even going uh, to discuss the fact that we actually lost two games since
1: then. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, sorry to,
0: I'm, I'm not even going to, I was going to say about
1: those two games just, exposed how poor the pressing can be if you don't do it correctly but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it i think is probably the best approach
0: we're too busy having a boogie
2: yes
0: (laughs) yeah right troops cheers for listening catch she's down the road cheers cheers